Hi, everybody. It's time to speak of hatred. We've done despair, and despair sounded a little bit at the beginning, like it was going to be about hatred. But no, we done hate the topic of hatred in that, and we went with despair instead. So now let's talk about hatred. I use this, I've used this metaphor before, I may overuse it, but it's been a while since I have used it, so we're going to use this metaphor so that we can understand hatred. And the metaphor is that of counterfeiting. Now, counterfeiting is a very powerful metaphor for philosophy, because a counterfeiter recognizes the value of money, because he's not out counterfeiting leaves or blades of grass or paint stains, right? But he is out there counterfeiting that which has value. And if it's currency, then he's obviously a counterfeiter of bills or whatever. If it is uh, art, then he is counterfeiting the masters of Rembrandt, whatever. And there's lots of different ways that um, that this can occur. Uh, an obvious one is the counterfeiting of beauty through uh, makeup, through uh, exercise for the sake of appearance alone, um, hair dye, uh, Botox. Right? It's the counterfeiting of beauty. Uh, which, of course, is really only relevant in the spirit, in the soul, in the mind, in the virtue, not the flesh. So there's lots of counterfeiting that goes on in society, and all counterfeiting recognizes the value of that which it, which it um, is copying and destroys that value or destroys some portion of that value by, by the copying, right? So every counterfeiter who copies money Uh, makes money less valuable uh, in two ways. Either A, he succeeds, in which case he breeds inflation through the injection of fiat currency or a counterfeit currency into a real currency system. Or B, he fails, in which case he makes everything more expensive uh, on any number of levels. The thieves are unbelievably expensive economically, right? Because they have to be uh, punished, they have to be caught, there has to be anti-thievery... methodologies in place, right? So you have to have counterfeit detection machines, and you have to call the cops, and you have to fill out the paperwork, and you have cops have to put try the guy and put the guy in jail. I mean, people who are dishonest or, or violent, obviously, but counterfeiters are unbelievably expensive. Now, think of the amount of money that the government has to spend on trying to make bills counterfeit-proof. Uh, that's very, very uh, expensive. And the prosecution and the money laundering and all, it's just it's crazy, particularly counterfeiting, how expensive they are. So they reduce the value of um, of money, whether they succeed or they fail. They have still reduced the value uh, of money. So they recognize that money has value, right? It's a complete UPB clusterfrack, right? Because they recognize that money has value, but money only has value because the majority of people don't counterfeit. And so it is the opposite of what he is doing that is creating the value that he is pillaging and reducing. And if there are too many people like him, right, then they all the whole system collapses. So counterfeiting is is really really important thing to uh, to understand, right? So a counterfeiter who copies paintings is reducing the value of paintings, either because he succeeds, in which case there's more supply of quote great paintings, uh, which drives the price down, or B he fails, in which case you have to add the price of authentication of a painting and the risk of uh, that authentication failing and additional insurance for fakeries and so on. All has to be added. I mean these people are just fucking vampires uh, around the economic throats of society, these counterfeiters, these thieves, these manipulators, these pillagers. They are vile, blood-engorged, leechy vampires hanging off the neck of the productive. Now, counterfeiting is an act of, uh, of hatred. 
Uh, it is uh, using the virtue of productivity and the necessary or chosen trust of economic interactions and using it to uh, to harm and pillage and destroy, right? So it, it's always sort of struck me as, as similar to what is to me one of the most vile things that a human being can do is to uh, harm benevolence, to raise the costs and to raise the fears of benevolence, right? So a typical scenario is it's a dark and stormy night and uh, some guy is uh, underdressed, shivering uh, along the road, uh, he's walking along the road, and he's shivering, and he's got his thumb out, and he's hitchhiking. And, uh, you know, the only people who are going to stop and help him are people who are, you know, nice and, and want to have this guy not uh, be stuck uh, on the road when it's freezing. And if he then, you know, robs them and kills them, or just robs them, then they're going to tell the story if they're still alive, or the story's going to be told if they're dead. And what happens is then, of course, people of fear benevolence. They fear helping other people out because uh, it is the best and the nicest among us who then are singled out for predation. So an act of virtue and compassion and generosity is used against you in the same way that your productivity is used against you and the necessity of uh, trust, certain levels of trust in any economic interaction, that is used to screw you by a counterfeiter, right? So it's your integrity and your virtue and your benevolence and your kindness, all of which are used to uh, undermine and destroy you. And it is taking people's values and virtues and turning them against those people. Uh, it is the most fundamental and vile act of betrayal and the consequences, uh, both economic and uh, personal, psychological, uh, are just staggering and enormous. And it is about the vilest thing that a human being uh, can do. So, through uh, through hard-won wisdom, uh, and I'm not even saying that this was accrued to me at the beginning of FDR, but I have learned it over the years, uh, painfully and <laughs> reluctantly and so on. I have learned this uh, very, very painful truth. And what I do now when I encounter somebody who claims to be about freedom, freedom, well, I uh, first thing I ask myself is, are they a counterfeiter? Are they talking about freedom for parasitical reasons? Or are they really dedicated to freedom, to virtue, to truth, to honesty? Are they really dedicated to these things? And that's my first question. And my first suspicion is that it's all just a bunch of mouth-breathing noise designed to uh, uh, hook people in, designed for vanity, uh, designed for exploitation, uh, and so on, right? Uh, are they really, really into freedom, or is it just a bunch of noise that they're making in order to pat themselves on the back and to get money from people, whether it's ad money or, or promise things to people that simply can't be achieved, like freedom through politics, you know. Uh, are they, uh, do they have any real currency, or is it all mere counterfeiting? That is my very first question. And I must be honest with you that uh, I think the majority of people in the freedom movement are not so much with the actual devotion to and dedication to freedom. Now, this is not true of everyone, and there are some amazing and immensely godlike, in my opinion, uh, heroes out there and heroines who are doing just amazing things when it comes to really struggling and achieving freedom in their own lives. And, uh, you know, all massive honor, kudos, praise, uh, flowers, and uh, I believe it's 72 virgins to those people uh, in the afterlife, <laughs> because Lord knows they're getting precious little praise here. But they will from me. 
so I remember, and I, I don't want to, this is not naming any names. These are all just sort of mixed up and these, you know, hopefully you can't identify anyone. It doesn't really matter if you can, but because I'm not going to confirm or deny anything. But uh, for example, right, so met some prominent libertarians and uh, one of them had this, I mean, halitosis or some, I don't know, some crow had <laughs> left rotten eggs under his tongue three years ago or something, but had the most unbelievably bad breath. And uh, he was sort of moving around the room, and I could see people kind of ooh, turning away a little bit and so on, right? And it struck me, you know, these are people dedicated to freedom, 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 and they're not even free to say, dude, I'm sorry, listen, your breath is really uh, unpleasant. You really need to get this checked out. I mean, that's actually got significant health issues. I mean, that kind of level of bacteria can travel down to your heart and cause significant problems. So uh, oral hygiene is, uh, is a significant part of just health in general, and it's more than your teeth. But so these people dedicated to liberty from the government and freedom from oppression weren't even free, were too fearful or too anxious or too avoidant to simply stand up and uh, not stand up, not confrontational, but just say to this guy, honestly, listen, your breath is, is pretty foul. You really need to get this looked at. That, that to me is not, uh, that's counterfeit, right? No. That's people focusing on uh, freedom uh, to to pretend that they're free and to uh, pat themselves on the back about their dedication to freedom, but who aren't even remotely free. If people are interested in freedom only in spheres that they cannot ever possibly change or control, then that to me is uh, is an embarrassing and noisy opposite of what is useful and good. I mean, libertarians criticize old hickory, uh, Lincoln, President Lincoln, because he freed the slaves in areas he couldn't control and didn't free the slaves in the areas he could control. Ha <laughs> ha, what a madman. Right, but if you're, if you're only really interested in freedom in the areas that you cannot possibly control, like changing state policies and so on, but you don't actually exercise freedom in your own life, even basic freedoms like your breath is really unpleasant, like please get it looked at. That to me is is not liberty. That is the opposite of liberty. I mean, that's no no interest in liberty. That's just liberty as distracting noise to make yourself feel something. And also because this was a political party to to get money from people. I mean, that's to promise them liberty and and newsletters and activism and gatherings and symposiums and so on. Right to to get uh, to get money from people. So I think that's uh, that's one one aspect of a liber- libertarianism that I have uh, I've really noticed. And there are other examples. I mean, I've obviously been very critical of libertarian academics who continue to take the state-granted privileges of tenure, despite the fact that I've shown that you can make a reasonable living by producing works of meaning and quality and depth and resonance over the internet, and uh, you can sell them. I suppose I prefer to go on donations, but you can give it, give it a shot to sell them, and that would be in accordance with the principles of the free market and of voluntarism, rather than hiding behind the state-erected fences of tenured professorhood, where you work a couple of hours a week and get paid in the above the six figures. Oh, we can only dream of that. But uh, that is, um, to me, that's, that's counterfeiting, right? I mean, that is, uh, that is just counterfeiting, because uh, that is saying I advocate policies that would cause other people to have to be kicked out of the subsidized sector and into the free market, right? So privatizing the post office or privatizing schools or privatizing charities and so on. So public servants and those dependent upon state transfers of wealth 
would be forced out of their protected and privileged positions into the free market. And most economists, uh, particularly of the free market variety, are very much against protectionism and subsidies of corporations and individuals. So they want cotton manufacturers and sugar manufacturers and banana importers and so on to be free of subsidies and protectionism, and yet they cling to tenure. I mean, <laughs> you could not design a better way to discredit an ideology than have people trumpet the free market while hiding behind protectionism while demanding it for others. I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, it really is a wonderfully, wonderfully evolved slash designed uh, system. But this is just a form of counterfeiting, right? I mean, uh, every, I mean, everybody wants the free market for everyone except themselves because everybody wants the convenience and progress of everyone else being in the free market while they want the protection and uh, enforced privileges of themselves hiding behind state-created and enforced tariffs tariff or protectionist walls. Of course, every, if you could be the like, if you could be the only thief in the world, you'd uh, have easy pickings because nobody would have any anti-theft devices, right? It wouldn't be worth it. Uh, so if you can be the only person in the free market, uh, sorry, if you can be the only person not in the free market, man, you're doing beautifully. Uh, so I just <laughs> I think that's just kind of funny uh, and sad. Uh, and and what's even sadder, like to me, the counterfeit is not that. Uh, free market academics or, or others. It's not that they choose to stay in academia. Uh, that's, you know, I can understand that. Mouths to feed. Maybe you just, you've been talking about the need for risk and entrepreneurship and the free market your whole life. But when it comes time to take your own leap into that arena, you, you know, like you so much, right? But, but then I think you need, to, you need to work empirically from your own life, right? And you need to say, well, you know, if I, who understand these principles so well, don't want to risk the free market, then clearly arguing for the free market is pointless because everyone else in the world who has far more incentive and far less knowledge, uh, or at least far less knowledge of the value of the free market than I do, uh, if, if, they're, if I'm not going to make the leap with all my knowledge of the free market, then arguing for more knowledge of the free market clearly is not going to make anybody make the leap. Right? If I'm not going to lead by example, when I have the most knowledge, then uh, nobody else is going to, right? I mean, if, if you're a doctor and you say that eating apricot seeds will cure cancer and then you're struck down with cancer and the first thing that someone says is, oh my God, just eat the, eat the, uh, uh, eat the apricot seeds you've been, <laughs> you've been offering out for the past 30 years. And you're like, are you kidding me? I'd never let that shit in my mouth. It's fucking poison. <laughs> like, oh, right. Okay. I get it. But it's okay if you don't want to. I mean, as I've always sort of believed, if, if you don't want to, that's fine. Then just, back down from your principles. It's, you know, if you don't want to live them, then, and, and like, if you know so much about the free market and you don't want to live your principles, then just say, I'm not able to live my, just be honest. I mean, <laughs> that's all I'm saying, you know, have, if you don't have the integrity to live your values, at least have the integrity to say, I'm not living my values. I'm not going to live my values. And I'm arguing for things that I, <laughs> that other, I'm arguing that other people should accept standards that I run screaming from. <laughs> right? I mean, that's all I'm saying is uh, have the, uh, you know, if you don't have the two testicles to swing yourself over the fence into the free market, at least have the one testicle to say that fence is pretty high and I'm not going to tell other people to go over if I'm not going over, right? <laughs> I just think that's sad. Um, so there's a lot of, to me, counterfeiting. I mean, even in the libertarian movement, 
I mean, the whole politics thing. I've gone through this so many times, I'm not even going to bother with going into any details here. But, uh, you know, saying to people that you can bring about freedom with particular political maneuvers or movements is, and, and, you know, give us money to do that. I mean, this is just counterfeiting. I mean, it's, this is just selling a good that, I mean, if you were selling somebody uh, a, a cure, you would need to show that there is some proof that that cure has worked. Uh, and if you're selling people a cure called politics, uh, I need to show some proof that it's worked. And of course, there is no proof that it's worked. In fact, it's done quite the opposite. So to me, uh, anybody who's um, who's reasonably knowledgeable about history, and I don't just mean your average dock worker lumbar listener, I mean people who you know spend some time reading some books in history and so on, anybody who's reasonably knowledgeable about history, uh, who is still trying to sell people a political solution and taking money thereof, well... Uh, to me, that's fraudulent. I mean, it's just plain fraud. It may not be illegal, uh, but it certainly is immoral. You are selling something that does not work and has no history of working, and you're continuing to take money for something. I mean, to me, that's just, that's just, you might as well be selling, uh, uh, lavender water as a cure for paralysis. I mean, it's, uh, it's just fraud. It's just snake oil salesman. And that to me is not, uh, not people who are dedicated to, to freedom. I mean, that's not dedicated to freedom. They're dedicated to making sounds that make people give them money. It's exactly the same as a priest. A priest will sell you salvation to heaven through giving him money, and the political crowd, in all arenas, but in the libertarian crowd, it's egregious, right, because it's against the ideology. But um, a priest will sell you heaven in return for money, and heaven doesn't exist, and you, in fact, are enslaved to the priest. And libertarian politicians and the libertarian political movement will sell you freedom from the state for political contributions of time, money, resources. And uh, it doesn't exist. And this is, of course, uh, to the naive, the uh, religious say, God exists, and God is the Ten Commandments and so on, right, to the naive and the somewhat dumb. And uh, to the more sophisticated, they say, well, it's metaphorical, and uh, it's not to be taken literally, and blah, blah, blah. And the libertarian political movement is the same. It's the same way, exactly. Uh, same as uh, religion, which is why religion and libertarianism has always gotten along so well. It's the same beast, different color, right? which is that uh, the libertarians to the naive will say, elect this good doctor and we'll be free, you know, or, or whoever. It doesn't matter, right? Who, uh, this, get this guy into Congress and things will start to turn around and we'll restore the republic and blah, blah, blah. Well, this is exactly the same as selling heaven and evidence for it. And... To So to the naive that will say all this stuff, give us money and we'll give you your republic back, which is nonsense, there's no evidence it's ever going to happen, quite the opposite. And yet to the more sophisticated, they say, well, it's more around educating people and it's not, you know, not to be taken literally when we say we're going to restore the republic, it's just about people getting people excited about the ideas, right? So if you don't ask for proof, they tell you it's certain. The moment you ask for proof, they tell you it's metaphorical or educational. I mean, it's the same, it's the same bullshit, right? I understand. Uh, so, so... I know this is going to be a bit of a lengthy discussion, but I think you, and I'm sorry to be focusing, I mean, of course there are hypocrisies uh, all over the world, right? But let's focus on the ones that uh, uh, that we know, uh, we know the best. Uh, I mean, you could pull apart the Democrats for their supposed dedication to the poor while they've created institutions like welfare and public schools that have eviscerated the poor. Uh, you can talk about the Republicans' desire for national security while the Republicans drive the military-industrial complex to go attacking the world and setting up bases and all sorts of egregious, egregious stuff which provokes people around the world to attack America. So, I mean, you, I understand that there's all this hypocrisy, but, you know, let's just go to the ones which... Uh, I mean, those ones don't touch libertarianism. They don't touch freedom principles because, I mean, nobody really thinks that that's about liberty. That's about security and redistribution, you know, Republican and Democrats, respectively. But um, 
uh, you could go all over the map in terms of hypocrisy, and I've done a fairly good job, I think, of, of eviscerating, at least verbally, those who fall into that category. But until you understand the counterfeiting, it's about recognize a va- recognizing a value and then selling the opposite, which diminishes it, which is false currency, right? Counterfeit currency is recognizing the value of money and then selling the opposite of money, which diminishes the value of money. Libertarianism, political libertarianism, religious libertarianism is around recognizing the value of integrity and consistency and freedom and the non-aggression principle and then selling you the opposite, like God and politics, which, uh, or tenure, which eviscerates the whole principle and, and devalues the principle as a whole. And uh, religion, same thing. So understand, right? So if you don't understand counterfeiting, right, the recognition of a value, the substitution of a false value, to undermine and destroy and profit from the real value, to mimic the real value in order to profit from its evisceration. If you don't understand counterfeiting, I don't think you will ever understand the true basis and essence of human hatred, which we will turn to now. I think that we we all understand that paper, obviously, is not money. And in many ways, gold is not money, either. Because gold, you can steal. And um, so it's not it's not money. Money is in its real state, in its sort of true state. Money is the the end product of an enormous sequential change uh, chain of cause and effect. So even if you're working at, at a bare minimum capacity, right? So I mean, when I was uh, in the recession in the early '90s, uh, I was just out of school and there was no jobs, uh, and uh, I took a job weeding uh, someone's garden. And, yeah, I'm down there in the dirt just digging and all that kind of crap. And even to do that, though, required you know, a significant set of cause and effect. I had to look for work, had to find work, had to make the phone call, had to uh, convince them to hire me, had to go uh, and show up and, and dig and pick up my check and deposit it and so on. So there was a lot of, of causal chain, uh, a causal chain that resulted in me being able to do even that menial level of job. Now, of course, at the very highest level of abstraction and uh, intellectual prowess, which I'm working with in these uh, conversations, in this podcast, it's much more uh, significant and much more deep. It's you know, tens of thousands of hours of practice and research and reading and, and uh, technical skill development and so on. Now, the result of all of that is I got a few bucks for weeding someone's garden and a few more bucks for bringing philosophy to many, many more people than would have had uh, exposure to it in the past. But the money that comes in to me through PayPal, or the money that came from these people who paid me to weed their garden many years ago, is merely the effect of a long, long sequence of, even down to language acquisition and, and, and so on. And, and so we can understand that money is the mere effect of an extremely long and complicated series of things. I mean, even just the resources of my mom and, to some smaller degree, my dad, to raise me, uh, to feed me, to clothe me, to, to house me. Uh, and, uh, and so all of that, uh, the money is just a, t- a complete... Sn- the, the actual money is a complete snowflake on the tip of the iceberg of the cause and effect. And, of course, when you steal money, you're stealing the effect of, uh, of that, not all of the enormous productivity that goes into even the most menial of jobs. Uh, when you steal money, you're stealing the effect of the whole sequence that uh, produces that money, and that is the real injustice of it. 
Now, the reason I'm going into all of this is that, to me, advocating fundamental social change is, to me, not something that you just grab onto at the end of the process. Like, it's, it's the end of the process. It's the end of an enormous series of personal understandings and education, but also actions, such as pursuing freedom within your own life and finding out how well it works and what, and what does work and what doesn't work and, and so on. But when you are providing a universal prescription for how society should be organized, I mean, that is the greatest prescription in the world. And anyone can say, free market good, uh, government bad. NAP uh, bad, property rights, uh, sorry, NAP good, property rights good, initiation of force bad. I mean, to say that takes uh, just a few uh, a few moments. You can teach anyone to say it. You can teach uh, probably a parrot to say it. You can teach someone to say it who doesn't even speak English, and they can mouth the syllables. And that's a kind of fraud or a kind of theft, because you're taking the effects of a long sequence and repeating them as if you have uh, gone through that sequence. In the same way that when you steal a hundred dollars, you're stealing all of the course and effects and long series of 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 channel of chain sort of domino reality you're taking that long series and you're stealing the effect of it and so when someone comes to me <laughs> with uh, uh, speakers you know I, I, maybe you have had this i've certainly had it happen to me uh, in a parking lot uh, sitting there waiting for something or other and a guy comes up to you and says, Hey, you know, we just got some speakers. Uh, they're, they're slightly dented. Uh, the store doesn't want them anymore. And uh, we're selling them, you know, quarter price or whatever, right? Well, the first thing that you want to ask, I suppose, is, you know, is this stolen? <laughs> I mean, is this stolen? To all appearances, it seems to be stolen, right? This is not how often uh, you will buy things, right? The back of a truck, and <laughs> quarter price, cash only, man, cash only. And uh, he's wearing a balaclava. Or something. This is not how you buy things, right? And so the first thing that when you're buying something for someone, the f- first question you can ask if there's reason to ask it is, well, do you own it in order to, to sell it? Is, it? is it hot? Is it stolen? And that, of course, is the same thing uh, with, with counterfeit currency, right? Is this real currency? Does this, is, is this the effect of free exchange, of labor, that you have put in uh, and uh, exchanged with somebody else? That you, is this a value that you have created, or is this a value you have stolen? It's a, if it's counterfeit, of course, it's a value that's been stolen. If it's created, it's a value that's real, and so on. And for me, when someone comes up and talks to me about freedom, freedom, well... The first thing that I'm going to ask myself, and after you know, hard and, and uh, sometimes bitter uh, experience, a, a sawtooth learning curve, a chainsaw learning curve, shall we say. First thing I'm going to say is, well, do you own this? Right? Have you have you earned this right, so to speak, to tell society how it should run? Have you have you the right? Have you earned this, or are you just repeating something that is emotionally appealing to you that you read somewhere and that 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 strikes you as an interesting pose to to have in your life. 
And that's a very, very important question. Now, the reason why this, all this, is in a podcast on hatred is that we can all understand that if counterfeiters have been getting away with counterfeiting for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and then they find out that there's this counterfeit detection machine, just one has been invented somewhere on another continent, they'll be sort of amused and, and so on and, and they won't really care. But when they find out that this counterfeit detection machine is spreading uh, and becoming more and more popular and picking up momentum and uh, so on, and they find out that the guy who invented the counterfeit detection machine is coming to speak and talk to the merchants in his area, well, he's going to be pretty fucking angry and, and frightened and hostile and aggressive. I mean, we, can all, we can all understand that. He's going to ignore, he's going to poo-poo, he's going to say, oh, this is nonsense, there's no such thing as counterfeiting, this guy's just, he's a bullshit artist, uh, he's just selling you something you don't need, it's ridiculous, it's a scam. He's just going to try and throw as much grit and smoke and bullshit into people's eyes and ears so that they'll just wander on. He's just going to try all of that sort of nonsense. And that's, that's inevitable. Right? Because... I mean, I, I, to break the third wall of the metaphor, uh, I am the guy who's coming along with a significantly uh, empowered posse and cadre of of like-minded souls and and thinkers uh, coming along and saying, well, fuck freedom in politics. (laughs) What the hell does that have to do with anything? And that's kind of a scam, because you're promising people freedom and taking their money, and you can't give them freedom, and you never could. Right, so it's a it's a scam, right? It's a it's a counterfeit. It's a it's a fraud. You know, you send me a uh, hundred bucks, and I will send you freedom. And uh, that's uh, that's a fraud. I see. Of course, I'm confident enough in what I'm talking about that you could just send me money if you find that it's worthwhile and charge you ahead of time, right? Whereas politics, they always have to charge you a hell of a lot ahead of time, right? Tens of millions of dollars, right? In the same way that the Pope doesn't say once you get to heaven send me a check, right? Because <laughs> heaven doesn't exist, and the Pope has nothing to sell you, so you have to give him the money ahead of time because he's got nothing to ship you. The same way with politics, right? They don't say, well, we'll, we'll get political freedom, and then you can donate, right? Because they know they can't provide political freedom. So, I mean, I understand that's not exactly how the system works, but even if it did, that wouldn't be the case, because they can't provide it. And so, we've got a lot of people who are going out into the world, in the true Socratic way, and saying, oh, oh that's interesting. You talk of freedom. You speak of freedom. You're interested in freedom. So, uh, clearly, the non-aggression principle is, is good, uh, violence uh, is bad, violence against children is, is really bad, uh, it's the source of so many of our troubles, and here's the evidence. And so, uh, how have you put this into practice in your own life? How have you put your dedication to freedom into practice in your own life? And you understand, that is really enraging to people, this is really angering to people, and they hate it. In the same way that if somebody pays you in counterfeit money, and uh, you know it's counterfeit money, and then you ask them to do something, and they do it, and then you pay them back using their own money, they'll hate you, because they know it's counterfeit, and they know they can't say it's counterfeit because they paid that money to you. And now you are paying them back with their own counterfeit money, and they hate that. Because they can't say anything, but they know that they're getting something that has no value. 